This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Hey there, Penn State football fans. August, the month of August is flying by. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal here to talk to you, taping this, recording this on a Tuesday, mid-Tuesday afternoon. Johnny McGonigal has been a busy guy these last 24 to 120 hours. No, I'm just kidding. He's been he's been very busy. Uh, he was up at State College practice on Monday. Uh, got to talk to some uh, coaches, Franklin, uh, a couple of his assistants, some players. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into Johnny's. Uh, Associated Press ballot, Johnny. We put the finish. We're putting the finishing touches on. Uh, it's not Penn Live's tab. It's the Patriot News tab. But a lot of the stuff that's going to go in the newspaper will be appearing on Penn Live, including our season predictions for Penn State. But I think it's too early to really go there. We got some. We're going to talk about Bruce Feldman's freaks list, which is out on the Athletic, and it is chock full of Penn State players. Two of them that really surprised me, Johnny. I don't know. I, I, I knew some of the names that were going to be on that list, but I, the two of them really floored me. But, hey, Bruce is plugged in, so we could talk about that. We could talk about a concert next April that's coming to Beaver Stadium. Country and Western fans, we could talk about that. But, Johnny, I know you, uh, you're you back in Philly right now as we, as we record this. You were just up in State College. It's not the it's not the shortest drive in the world. You look, you look, you look great, my man. So... I'll just I'll just kick it to you before we get to your AP poll. If there's anything you learned uh, on Monday that you thought stood out, I know you've written some stories, but where are we with with James Franklin and his Penn State football team coming out of Monday? Yeah, Bob. Yeah, I, I love the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's a it's a it's a great road. Very not not, not boring at all. Uh, no, it was <laughs> jokes aside. It was good to get to State College. Um, good to be able to talk to a handful of players after practice. You know, catch up with James Franklin, see what's what. Uh, they just had their open practice, that scrimmage, uh, you know, open to fans over the weekend. Uh, and so that was a point, uh, that, that was a topic of conversation. Uh, speaking to James Franklin, he was happy with how everything turned out. Uh, you know, joked that, you know, they always based their practice schedule on the Farmer's Almanac because it was raining on Saturday outside of the Lash building. It was raining on Monday in State College. They had to practice uh, in Holuba Hall. But, you know, all jokes aside from James, you know, they, they felt like they got everything they wanted out of uh, that scrimmage. And so far with training camp, I think it's it's been going well uh, for the Nittany Lions. Just a couple of, you know, there was a couple of newsy bits uh, from what James uh, was, you know, was giving us. And he was asked about Landon Tangwall, which I feel like is uh, is one of the, the bigger points here. He didn't say much about it, but uh, he said that Landon Tangwall, who was not uh, was not seen at the open practice, is dealing with some bumps and bruises. You know, James, he doesn't get into injuries, but that's just something to keep an eye on, you know, starting left guard uh, for Penn State, who, you know, missed the remainder of last season after suffering an injury in the warm-up, uh, warm-ups before the Michigan game. And uh, so, look, we're sitting here less than three weeks now away from the opener. Uh, and so hopefully the, hopefully for Landon and, and the team, you know, that those bumps and bruises won't keep him out of the opener. Um if it does, look to Van Guyon or J.B. Nelson uh, to potentially step up. 
I think those two guys are going to play a lot of ball for Penn State this year anyway, given how Phil Troutwine wants to rotate the offensive line as much as possible uh, without surrendering results or quality on the field. Um, speaking of that, uh, Olu Fashanu uh, had a you know dramatic uh, you know modifications to his snap count uh, this this fall uh, this, this training camp, which shouldn't come as a as a surprise. Uh, you know he is a first round guy. He's he's someone who could have left and made a whole lot of money in the 2023 NFL draft. He's projected to be a guy that could go top five in the 24 draft. Um, and I, James Franklin understands that. Olu understands that. Uh, even though Olu apparently is pushing uh, for more and more reps, which isn't a surprise if any, if, you know, for anyone who's gotten to know Olu Fashano over the last you know eighteen months uh, to two years. Um, but you know, Penn State is is being smart with him, making sure that he's ready uh, for the season, trying to limit any injury risk. Uh, it's tough to do that in general with with football, but when you can do it. Uh, while feeling like he's getting enough reps to stay sharp and still grow. Uh, I, Penn State is confident with where they are in that, and that's just something to keep in mind here as we approach the season. Uh, so those are the two Those are the two big ones. Uh, another one, Khalil Dinkins, uh, see, is, is seemingly going to be the number three tight end at this point. You know, a guy who you wrote about out in Indianapolis, Bob. You know, uh, James had, had quite a few good things to say about him. Uh, you know, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, the established co-starter, starters, however, however you want to look at that. Um, I thought there was going to be a little bit of competition, and there still is, you know, with Andrew Rappelier, the, the highly touted freshman coming in, and Jerry Cross, and, uh, you know, Joey Schlafer as well, some young guys in that room. But uh, Khalil Dinkins seems to be separating himself, uh, continuing on his unbelievable out, uh, offseason in the weight room and, uh, and, and showing it on the field so far during training camp. So those were the three big things I took away uh, from James Franklin's media availability with us on Monday night. Um, and then a, a good bit too, talking from the players and, and the assistant coaches as well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's just, uh, when it, when it let's be honest, Johnny, if Penn state's going to get where uh, we think they can be and where a lot of, uh, I think national experts think they, they can be this year by the end of the year. Once, once they, you know, they're going to go, they got to go to Ohio state, they got to host Michigan. A lot of it, a lot of what's going to happen, especially in those two games, you know, the offensive line is, is going to have a big say in this for Penn State. And it is, it's great that Penn State has accumulated some depth. Uh, you mentioned Landon hasn't played since uh, the, you know, I only played five games last year. He actually got hurt in warmups. Prior to the Michigan game, he felt good, you know, Back in June, but hey, they're going to be careful. They like some of the guards behind them. You mentioned Venga, and I think you know you have to remember, considering who they're going to be playing the first two weeks of the season. West Virginia is going to be a prohibitive underdog, and you know Delaware is not. You know that's I don't even really think that's a discussion. So, you know, if 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 there is some bumps and bruises, you know you you can you can afford to bring him along, you know, extra slow because you're really talking about. You know, you're really talking about the third Saturday. I hate to look past West Virginia, but I just don't think they're going to – it really doesn't matter. You're talking about the third Saturday in September where you want him right. So I totally get that. And as far as Olu goes, you know, I'm glad that James and, and, and uh, you know, Coach Troutwine are doing this for Olu. I know they're very appreciative of him coming back. I think they know what he can mean not only to the entire offensive line but to Drew Aller. Uh, the projected starting quarterback. And let's be honest, Johnny, you know, if if he was going to get regular work and practice, he's going against future first and second round picks 
on the practice field. So, I mean, they're, they they only know one speed. That, that defensive end room only knows one speed. So I, I would probably do the same thing with Olu. I'm sure he has seen enough of those guys coming off the edge that they don't need to expose him to any more risk. I mean, how much better, how much more sharp can he get on the practice field after spending you know part of the spring and early camp maybe going against you know, Adisa and Chop and deny Dennis Sutton. I mean, Vanover. I mean, it's just crazy to think about the depth in that defensive end room. So totally makes sense to me um, to kind of keep him on a practice pitch count. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I, I do think that James and and, uh, and Phil, you know, kind of have the right approach. You mentioned Khalil uh, Dinkins about the number three tight end spot. Good on him, especially since I think Penn State wants to do I think multi, you know at least two tight ends. I could see them living in them living in that formation a lot with those running backs, right? So it's good that they've identified their third tight end. But speaking of that, I was curious your take on James talking about here we are turning the page to almost late August now, and he he's still not ready to name a third wide receiver who has separated themselves. There's a couple different ways I think you can interpret that. Um, they certainly have the athletes for someone to emerge. You know, Dante Cephas hasn't been practicing for very long. The other way, the other way you could look at it, Johnny, is that they want to keep a lot of these guys encouraged. I hate to say it, but I mean, I still think, I still think Penn State's, I think Marcus Higgins and I think James and I think Mike Gersich probably know who their top four receivers are right now. But there's no need to share it right now because the minute you name that third best wideout, you know, I don't know that everyone's going to take it the right way. Yeah, and, and that's one way to look at it. And, you know, you can read between the lines sometimes with what James is saying. But then sometimes, too, you know, what you got to take take everything for what he says. You know, not everything, but most of it at face value, uh, at least for now, until we see – you know, Dante Cephas and Caden Saunders and these guys, you know, on the field because, you know, he was asked about Dante Cephas specifically. Uh, and he went out of his way to say, you know, outside of Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace that, you know, he's not seeing that separation from the pack from the other guys. And then I later asked about Harrison Wallace, about Trey and, and, you know, is he being more consistent? You know, you liked what you saw from him in the spring. And is he still doing that? And he, he re- you know, reiterated, yes, like him and Keandre are doing what we need them to do. But, you know, another person has to separate themselves on the pack. So he, he said it twice, kind of, like not necessarily unprompted because he was asked about two wide receivers. But you know, this is a point that he's continued to reiterate. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, who you know steps out of that group? I, I still have my money on Dante Cephas, given his pedigree, given what he's done over the last two seasons at Kent State. Uh, I think he he'll have ample time during this camp uh, to acclimate himself, gain rapport with Drew Aller, um, and and within the offense specifically. But uh, you know, Caden Saunders you know caught some uh, caught some praise uh, recently from Keandre Lambert Smith, saying that he's standing out. You still have got Malik Mega, Liam Clifford, Omari Evans uh, in that group competing uh, for snaps. Malik McLean as well, the Florida State transfer. And so uh, it, I think this is going to be one of those things that James will just keep keep saying and keep reiterating, even maybe into the season, uh, if he doesn't see it in, in you know, the season opener against West Virginia. But 
kind of along those lines of competition too, Bob, uh, one thing that I, another thing I asked James was about Katron Allen because you know, we have, I just finished writing a tab cover story on Nick Singleton. Uh, he's a Maxwell award, you know, watch list. He's, he's on all these watch lists and all these preseason, uh, you know, articles and everything, you know, nationally about Penn state, you know, comes back to the defense and it feels like it comes back to Nick Singleton as well. Uh, and so I asked him about Catron and, you know, he, he might not be getting enough national recognition. And James reiterated there, he's like, look, we feel like we have two number one backs. You know, he's appreciated and loved within this program. And, you know, I asked Catron, spent some time with him and and talked with him about his expectations and what he wants to get out of the season. And he just said, look, we want to cause more damage. We want to be dominant. And uh, I like running through. He literally said, I like running through people. Uh, he said that a few times and that's just Katron Allen's style. And, you know, it worked for him last year as a true freshman. He's not going to change that approach. Uh, you know, he said that he wants defenders to be scared of him, to be scared to hit him. Uh, and so expect some more tough running from Katron Allen as, you know, he, him and Nick Singleton continue to get reps. People forget that, uh, Katron Allen actually out carried, uh, in terms of attempts, uh, Nick Singleton last season. So he's going to be a huge part of this offense. And certainly, you know, Penn State fans know what Fat Man can do. Uh, and I think it's only a matter of time uh, if, if he isn't already being recognized nationally for for what he is, which is a really good running back. Yeah, I think a great sign. First year back, I'm talking about Katron. Obviously, Nick, next year speaks for itself. The explosive plays, the way he finished, the way he, the Rose Bowl run. I thought he got better as the year went on. Between the tackles, had a kick return score against Rutgers. The guy, I, I don't know. I don't think there was a play. I don't think he ever got caught from behind last year. And I, I would imagine that's not going to, that won't change this year. But Katron, he was, to me, he was a guy that he, he could, he can, he could be, he could hurt you a little bit differently in a lot of different ways. And I really appreciated the way he could impact the game as a receiver. I, I thought that's maybe the one area that I thought he definitely had the edge over Nick Singleton. Uh, also, probably on the uh, in the red zone, I, I think that Katron is a, can be a little bit tougher to kind of get get on the ground. So he is. They complement each other so very well. They're both uh, you know NFL caliber backs. They both have completely different personalities. I mean, it's it's always interesting to watch those guys. Trey Potts is going to probably factor in there, you know, as well. But I think Katron Katron uh, kind of caught. You know, it wasn't until right around the Auburn game that Katron really kind of locked in. So the, the coaching staff knows what he can do. I, I really think I think they both they both can go over a thousand yards if they're healthy this year, which would be a really neat feat. Uh, a really neat feat for Penn State. Johnny, just one diff, one injury just to touch on. It, it's not. I don't know. I mean, it's it's obviously a big injury to the kid, but yeah, I think it happened. Uh, I think it happened late last week. Uh, their their defensive tackle depth. Uh, Alonzo Ford is is going to miss the year. I know you had written something, I think, coming out of the media day two Sundays ago about uh, you know uh, Smith Vilbert is 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 not going to be able to play this uh, this year either. Defensive tackle is a little bit more of a question than defensive end. This kid's a transfer, um, but yeah, he's not going to be able to make it this year. Not that they just they're not they're just not set there. I don't know if they have five or six guys they really 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 could count on. So. When you lose a player uh, at a position like that, I was just curious how much you think. I don't know how much he was going to play this year, and if he did play, I don't know many. I don't know how many snaps he was going to get. He might be more impactful in twenty twenty four, but it's still it's still a it's still a loss to Newt. 
Yeah, definitely lost to note um, a player that you know, they identified in the transfer portal uh, as someone who could help, you know, come in, provide depth at the very least at defensive tackle. I still remember sitting in the Beaver Stadium media room after the blue white game and James Franklin being so adamant that, hey, we need to go get a defensive tackle out of the transfer portal. And, you know, there wasn't a guy that could step in and start right away, or at least a guy that Penn State was in on uh, that they felt that they could bring in or ultimately did bring in, you know, to, to be an immediate starter. So they took a kid like Alonzo Ford who, you know, played at Old Dominion and, you know, James and the staff has a really good relationship with Ricky Ronnie, the head coach down there with the Monarchs. And so they got a lot of good intel and information on Alonzo Ford and felt good about bringing him into the program and what he had done already at Old Dominion. But, you know, when he came in, I didn't see him as a guy who would, you know, jump right into the two deep. Uh, even with that uncertainty at the position, you have Hakeem Beeman, uh, Devon Ellis, uh, you know, Kazai Izzard, Zane Durant, uh, even Jordan Vandenberg, who uh, we'll talk about a little bit later uh, with the freaks list, uh, but has really impressed in the weight room. And it's a matter for, of him translating it to the field. And so you've got some options ahead of him. And I didn't know how much he was going to play. It kind of works out in a sense that, you know, he came to Penn State with three years to play too. So he can redshirt uh, and, and, you know, he's going to take this season off and, and rehab and get ready for the 2024 season. And, and by then, you know, you would hope that he is, you know, obviously a depth piece, but maybe someone who can push into the two deep and, and get some real run uh, at the defensive tackle spot. So it might be a blessing in disguise uh, for him to have a year of development with Deion Barnes and everyone else in that room. Um, but it is an unfortunate injury for him, uh, you know, to to have something like this happen before the season. Uh, and, you know, Penn State went out and got him for a reason. And so it's uh, it's not ideal. Uh, it's really not ideal, but it's not like you're losing, uh, you know, a Chop Robinson or an Adisa Isaac or someone like that. Yeah. This is the Blue White Breakdown. We're moving along right here on the Blue White Breakdown. We're going to get to Johnny's AP uh, ballot, but I, I think we might as well just get right to the freaks list. I think most Penn State fans know the name Bruce Feldman, national college football writer, does just a phenomenal job. Fox, I think he's the, part of the Fox uh, television coverage as well, writes for the athletic national writer, but he's, he's, he's kind of got his own niche in August with the freaks list, which is essentially expanded to about 100 college players. You know, he gets he gets input, I think, from coaching staffs and strength coaches about these guys who just are just off the charts good when it comes to um, conditioning, whether it's whether it's speed work, whether it's strength work, whether it's agility work. But just these the players the the most elite players in terms of maybe strength and conditioning, (laughs) there are six names, six Penn Staters. Uh, make the list. I know you put something on Penn Live, Johnny, about it. And I, let, we don't necessarily need to start with the names we thought were going to be on it. But I would say this. I mean, if, if I'm Penn State, I'm not giving out some of these names if I don't feel really good about them playing a lot in the fall. And two defensive tackles uh, made the freaks list. You mentioned both of them. Zane Durant, who is uh, you know a second-year player. Uh, played last year as a freshman, did not redshirt. Zane Durant uh, and also Jordan Vandenberg, uh, who is, you know, pretty much, you know, he might be the strongest guy on the team. If he's not, it's it's a short list of people in front of him. But those two guys, both, and 
Vandenberg was way up the, I mean, real close to the top. So I don't think they're going to give those guys out. Well, I, I know they like Zane, but to me, the biggest surprise was Jordan in a good way. Cause I don't think, I don't think they're going to kind of nominate him unless they really feel good about maybe him being able to be a, a regular part of uh, the tackle rotation. Yeah. I mean, Bob, I remember writing about the tackle situation and Jordan Vandenberg specifically, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. And, and noting that James Franklin at one point this summer tweeted because uh, there was a video that was going out uh, from Jordan Vandenberg's work in the weight room and and James saying that he might be the, the most improved player in the program. And so when that happened, I'm like, OK, mental note for the freaks list. And and sure enough, he's on there and he's pretty high. Like you mentioned, he's number 15 out of, I believe it was 101 players. Uh, so. They're confident in him and, and what he what he is, you know, physically. Again, it's a matter of translating it and seeing it on the field. Uh, but that's a good sign. It's a great sign to see Zane Durant on that list as well. I thought it was an interesting comparison uh, that Bruce Feldman made uh, to former All American uh, defensive tackle at Pitt, not Aaron Donald, uh, but Kalaja Kansi, uh, a player that I, I actually covered when I covered Pitt, and a great a great player, super explosive, a little undersized, but Someone who was, yeah, first round, yep, and 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 you know he was every bit of a first round talent. Um, a guy who shot the gap really well, and uh, you could see flashes of that. Now that I I read it, I'm like, you know, I I, I can see that with Zane and uh, the flashes that he showed last year as a, as a true freshman were really encouraging, and so it's also encouraging to see him, you know, make this list and get this kind of recognition nationally. Again, this is stuff that comes from. You're know, the coaching staff. You know, you know, Bruce Feldman as plugged in as they come. Uh, will talk to in Penn State's case, James Franklin, Chuck Losey, the strength and conditioning coach, assistant coaches on the staff, and you know, for Durant to be on here with the likes of Chop Robinson, Nick Singleton, Olu Fashanu, um, and Abdul Carter. You know, the, the those four. You know, if you you didn't even have to, I could have pre-wrote that one. Uh, you know, the, like those four make sense. L- a little surprised that Deny Dennis Sutton wasn't on there. Um, I was, uh, when I was, I did the little, like, you know, through the article, I ended up reading through all of it later cause it's good stuff, but you know, for the purposes of getting a story out, a little control search, uh, and state and seeing, you know, what guys were on the list and was a little surprised that I wasn't, but at the same time, a good sign, as we just talked about with the defensive tackle room of room and transition, a question mark coming into training camp that, that they have two of their guys who are not viewed as at least externally you know, surefire starters in that room, Zane Durant might get there this season. I, w- I would probably be surprised if he doesn't at this point, but um, a good sign for you know, Penn State's D-line room and the defensive tackle room specifically. Johnny McGonigal, I feel like we're saving the best for last on uh, on this episode of the Blue-White Breakdown. Let's, uh, the AP poll is is out. Uh, I think it just came out. We're, we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday. I think I think the first one came out. Earlier today, I believe you have a vote. Uh, you had said last week you were going to do a little bit of an explainer and get into kind of where you, where you, where you had Penn State. Maybe what your top, you know, top ten, top six, eight teams looked like. You also kind of hit it to the fact that you might be a little bit higher on Penn State than maybe the national media. So, uh, how how did it end up for you? Were there any tough calls? And uh, were you surprised by how the the entirety of the vote played out? Yeah, I wasn't surprised with how the top 25, you know, ended up shaking out. Uh wasn't surprised to see Penn State at 7 
That's where they were in the coaches poll. Um, and, and just a little inside baseball, our, uh, our AP preseason ballots are due before the coaches poll comes out. Um, and so that didn't influence it, but you know, it wasn't surprising to see that that's where Penn state ended up behind Georgia, um, uh, Michigan, Ohio state, Alabama, LSU, and USC in that order just behind Penn state, uh, was Florida state Clemson. And I believe Washington was number 10. Uh, my poll, like the top 10 was pretty similar. I had Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state, Alabama, one through four. Then I had, I had Penn state five. Uh, and then, and then I went USC, LSU, Florida state, Clemson, and Texas. Uh, and look, I had Penn state that high because I, I believe in the team. I believe in the talent. We've already talked about Nick Singleton, Olu Fashanu, Katron Allen. I think Drew Aller is going to be the real deal. Um, and not just Olu on the offensive line. It's a really deep, better in offensive line. The defense we've talked about at length, how much disruptive, how many disruptive players they have, uh, you know, for, for Manny Diaz to work with, it's kind of insane. Uh, and so plus the schedule, I think sets up pretty nicely for them. And so I've been on, I tinkered and thought about Penn state at four. I, I really did. Um, because I do think this is a team that, it has Big Ten title hopes and college football playoff hopes. And I think there's a really real chance of them attaining those. And so um, I just think it's a really well-rounded team that obviously has to break in a new quarterback. But when you have so many other guys to lean on and to be able to integrate, you know, what is essentially, you know, what will be a first-year starting quarterback, I just think it really sets up nicely for them, Bob. And uh, I think, I think James Franklin has quite a team on his hands and, so I wasn't surprised to see him at seven. I had him a little bit higher, but I get it. Yeah, and the Big Ten East, you know, uh, chances are one of the teams is gonna is gonna probably be, you know, Mich- Michigan's two, Ohio State's four, Penn State's. You, you have them at five. I mean, I've seen him seven, six. So one of those, it's real hard to have three teams potentially finish that high. So chances are two of them probably will. One of them, one of them might not be. They might just be, instead of being like top five, they might be a little bit lower than that. But, I mean, I, I think Penn State certainly has the talent. They're certainly hungry. They're, they're certainly tired of losing to Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's replacing C.J. Stroud. They get Michigan at home. They just can't, you know, they can't afford like they did in 2016. They can't afford to stumble early in the year in a game that everyone kind of expects them to win. You know, and, and I think for a lot of people, you know, one of those games would be at Illinois, third game of the season. Illinois, popular pick out in uh, Big Ten media days, maybe to win the Big Ten West. And it's, you know, Brett Bielema is a solid coach, and they're going to be really tough along the line of scrimmage. So it's a very legit, you know, if you're ranking the toughest games on Penn State's schedule, it's probably hard not to have Illinois somewhere in that top five range just because of what Illinois did at Penn State two years ago when they were huge underdogs. How tough they were last year and just you know they, they just have a good coaching staff guys know what they're doing they're not a lot of fun to play so yeah it's going to be it's going to be cool to see this all play out johnny penn state, i mean penn state they they have we're, we're essentially a little more than two weeks away i think from uh from the season opener we're only probably going to get i would think one or two more availabilities then it'll be it'll be one more availability next week and then it'll probably be game week and james will be Talking Tuesday and there'll be a Wednesday practice. Before you know it, it's going to be Saturday night at Beaver Stadium. So it's a lot, lot to get to, 
And uh, we'll just have to see how the left side of that offensive line comes together the final 10 to 14 days of August um, for the West Virginia game. But glad you got it. Sounds like it was a very productive trip for you to get up to State College. And I know how much you like the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I've noted that uh, for future discussions. But uh, this is, I mean, this, the offseason is essentially over, right? It, it really is. The only thing we're really waiting on is James to, to name the starting quarterback and see how healthy they're going to be going into the into the season. But I just remember we were talking back in March and April and May about, hey, there's still a long ways to go. Well, that that runway has pretty much, you know, expired. So it's it's we're almost there. And Penn State, uh, <clears throat> Penn State looks like they sure looked the part in practice physically of a team that's really ready to take another step forward. I think you feel the same way. So I don't know. Um, I'll, any anything else from your from from your Monday trip? Anything else? You oh, I know you have. I know what else. I I know you you mentioned. I think you you have a Nick Singleton story in the works. I believe you have another story that is going to be. I think uh, very well read on Penn Live at some point down the line. Might be too early to release the the, stu- the subject matter, but I was just going to ask you about some of the projects you have planned. Yeah, I can say, it. I mean, I, all the interviews are, are in the bag. It's just a matter of me sitting down and working through it. Um, a story on Adisa Isaac uh, and, and his journey to Penn state, you know, something that I think, believe it was CBS sports last year, did a, a few minute, you know, v- you know, vignette on him and his family. He has three nonverbal siblings and, uh, was raised by a really strong single mother and and in Brooklyn. Uh, so for him to even get to Penn State in the first place was uh, was quite was quite a journey. It was quite an ordeal and experience for him. And I was able to you know get a diesel one on one out in Indianapolis uh, you know when he was in between duties at the Big Ten media days and was able to speak to his mom and some some of his coaches and influences. Uh, and so yeah, that story will be coming out in a couple weeks, I believe. It's certainly before the season starts. Uh, and really looking forward to being able to put that all together and have have it for all our Pen Live readers to uh, to read. Any listeners out there that don't subscribe yet, be sure to do that before the season uh, because we're going to have not only that, uh, you know, in the Singleton tab story, me, me, you, Dave, and we, we've got a lot of stuff uh, coming over the next few weeks and obviously into the season, a season that so many people are excited for. So you haven't uh, listeners subscribed yet. Do so, and uh, you'll be able to read all of our uh, all of our content, uh, which there will be a lot of. Bob, there's going to be a lot of it. Great pitch, Johnny. I, I certainly could not have said it any better. That's about it, I think, for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. We got through some uh, some updates from Johnny about kind of where Franklin thinks his team is. We talked about the freaks list. We talked about his AP ballot, and we'll be back. Uh, you know, there's, that was the only availability for this week. But the the news will keep on coming. You guys stay tuned. Uh, Keep listening. uh, Keep watching. Uh, Johnny and I are getting closer to September 2nd, which means you guys are as well. So thanks a lot for listening to this, and we'll be back very soon. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.